Begin Podfix Network transmission in three, two, one. This is Bewilderbeasts, an infotainment show dedicated to inspiring curiosity for all ages by investigating the ways animals intersect at humanity. I am not a historian, an ethologist, a researcher, a scientist, a zoologist, a trained audio engineer, or an expert in, well, anything. Y'all, I'm lucky if I can remember to put my clean laundry in the dryer before it gets funky. And while I make every effort to present things as accurately as I can with a fun flair, I'm going to mess up. And that's okay. I hope I've given you a nice place to jump off from on your own adventures into curiosity. Or at the very least, I've given you the key to win your next round of trivia. Hello and welcome to Bewilderbeasts. I'm your host, Melissa McKee McGrath, recording 2,199 miles from Ufalde, Texas. Crowned the honeybee capital of the world in the 1905 World's Fair in France. And today on the show, we are talking about bees getting blitzed for science. Let's go. As we go into this final season of Bewilderbeasts, I'd be remiss to not include bees in the last season. In episode one, the very first episode of the show, we talked about how honeybees were trained to find bombs in Croatia. Years later, we talked about how they would surround wasps and literally twerk to produce enough heat to murder murder hornets. 2020, (sighs) y'all. Twerking bees to save us all from murder hornets in the middle of a pandemic while Australia was literally entirely on fire. What a time. (laughs) Then in episode 67, bees stepped it up and made delicious honey from spotted lanternfly goo. You can see that all up in uh, the Doom Bloom episode. It was delicious, by the way, even if the spotted lanternfly is super murdery on our environment. And now we are ending with two of my favorite things. My namesake, the honeybee, because Melissa is Greek for honeybee, and recreational alcohol. But before we get started, I have not given a proper introduction all season. (laughs) There are a few updates as we wind this series down, and they are exciting, at least to me. First, I have a book deal, y'all, a book deal. The Patreon folk heard about this in the November and December episodes, and I'm so excited. A publishing house while I was in the UK for my presentation for Pact, uh, the publishing house is called 5M Publishing. They liked a proposal that I had put together enough after my talk at the University of Winchester last October that they said they would support my book on their platform. I am over the moon excited and cannot wait. This book does not have a title yet. It is all about the things that they don't tell people who want to work with animals when they grow up, or if they are grown-ups and haven't grown up yet. <laughs> That's me. There are absolutely horrible things that they that are done to animals that I see with high enough frequency that nobody explained to me when I got into this industry, um, or, or things that I just couldn't quite get until I experienced it for myself. But there are also absolutely hilarious things that have happened that no one could have prepared me for. Like finding myself in a room with second graders and having to explain how, what those two dogs were doing. (laughs) They loved each other very, very much. Um, And how often I get peed on in my line of work, all of it. Um, 
it's just a bunch of stories from working with people and the animals they love and the entire emotional gamut in between. And this book also serves as a how-to, like how to jump into this unregulated industry of dog training and or behavior as ethically as possible as this is an unlicensed and unregulated industry. And if you have any questions about this or my line of work, please drop me a line. I love to talk about it. Bewilderbeespod at gmail.com. Maybe it'll end up in the book or the question can be answered. As a result, stay subscribed to this feed even if the show is over. As I hope to have some announcements on the feed when it drops, as well as some Facebook stuff under my name and on the Bewilderbeast page, Instagram under my name, and definitely on Patreon. Even if you don't pay for it, you can still follow on the Patreon feed, Bewilderbeast Pod on Patreon, and you can still get updates about the book and other projects going forward if that's your jam. No worries if it's not. I'm not going to be offended, <laughs> but I'm hopeful that you're listening because you're interested. But if working with animals in some capacity is something that you are interested in, or there's a little one in your car who's interested about working with animals, then do stay tuned. I still love all the love, so bop over and give a review if you'd like, or just tell a friend about the show. Or my fir- my personal favorite, when y'all just send me a nice note. It really does just mean the world, and I super appreciate it. So thank you for all the support and the love and the shares and the curiosity for all these years. It has been amazing. And I think that's really it for updates this time around. So without further ado, let's do this thing. Cormac Farrell, Australian Parliament's head beekeeper, posted in Twitter in 2019 Back when Twitter was just standard operating dumpster fire Twitter at the time, not the absolute cluster fire it's become recently, quote, A few sharp-eyed folks walking have noticed dead and stumbling bees on the path around the Australian Parliament and have asked what's going on. The answer is alcohol. As the weather heats up, the nectar in some Australian flowers will ferment, making the foragers drunk. End quote. Farrell then went on to explain that the fermented nectar will make the bees a little bit wobbly, and if they try to get back into the hive while drunk, then the guards will turn them away until they've sobered up a bit. Ah, uh, that isn't exactly right, but for the purposes of Twitter and making everybody happy, let's roll with it. We will find out what those guards do to the bees in a minute. Um, <laughs> it's not cute. Um, so Feral, um, <laughs> I'm tickled by the fact these worker bees are getting absolutely sloshed on fermenting nectar and have to get turned away from the hive by the equivalent of a bee bouncer at the door. So what does a drunk bee look like? According to savannabee.com, quote, bees act a lot like humans when they're drunk, just a lot cuter. Their motor functioning is completely thrown off and their memory processing is impaired. To us, a drunk bee just looks goofy, bumping into objects or walls, refusing to fly, or even forgetting where it's going and getting lost. End quote. But this is about where our own brushes with unsobriety can be likened to that of an Adora Bumble. You see, when a drunk bee rolls up to the hive to do his little waggle dance, you, with maybe more waggle and singing at the top of his little bee lungs, Bon Jovi's greatest hits, hashtag Ben there, the guard bees will actually do something very... Very, very different and less supportive than frat boys helping a brother out after one too many. The guards will bite off the legs of the offending bee as a warning to others. Yeesh. 
This essentially solidifies this bee's death. The term worker bee is taken very seriously in bee colonies, and if you get tipsy on a little floral whiskey, the guard bees do not see the humor in the situation. If the blitzed bees leave fermented nectar behind, that can poison the entire honey crop. Bees are not on this earth for very long, and every worker is needed to ensure the survival of the whole hive. They are used social. They need each other completely for survival. Plus, if the waggle dance gets a little bit sloppy, it could mean other worker bees are spending energy going to the wrong place, using valuable caloric resources to get there. But this is also the bee version of sticking a head on a pike. You buzz around and you find out. This serves as a warning to other bees to stay sober and alive. Don't fly buzz, y'all, even if you're a bee. Unless, hilariously, you're a bee on a college campus. <laughs> you see, researchers do not mind studying the effects of alcohol or similarly impairing chemicals by using honeybees. Quote, Charles Abramson of Ohio State University told news scientists that while most animals need to be coaxed into drinking alcohol, we can get bees to drunk pure ethanol. And I know of no organism that drinks pure ethanol, not even a college student. End quote. In studies, bees would not drink the ethanol when it was just mixed with water. But if you do the equivalent of a margarita mixer, lots of sugar to make the burn palatable, and these bees will happily suck down whatever ethanol is in front of them. These bees can do whatever equivalent of a keg stand is and ingest the equivalent of a human drinking 10 liters. That is five two liter Coke bottles or 13 bottles of wine in one sitting for one bee by weight and size. Then when the little bee bartender says, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here, the bee hopefully has the sense not to go home or else he'll get his legs hacked off. Do not try this at home or anyone's home. <laughs> if that bee survives, he's going to have the hangover of all hangovers. Maybe that's what the scientists should actually study in a very, very quiet, dark peaceful room with the bee equivalent of ibuprofen and a greasy egg sandwich and little bee-sized sunglasses. The bees who drank the most spent the most time on their backs. <laughs> Unable to move their little bee legs or flip themselves over. And while this may seem like, mm, duh, Science is pretty dang cool. Check it. Dr. Julie Mustard, a researcher on this project, said that the bees could help us understand human alcoholism and functions of inebriance on the human brain. Granted, this was all done in 2004. A lot of things have happened. This is the year after I graduated college, so it's been a minute. But Julie has stayed solidly in the bee lane as an entomologist. She said, quote, on the molecular level, the brains of honeybees and humans work the same. Knowing how chronic alcohol use affects genes and proteins in the honeybee brain may help us eventually understand how alcoholism affects memory and behavior in humans, as well as the molecular basis of addiction. Not only that, Dr. Julie Mustard has used invertebrates, 
often bees, but others, to study dopamine in brains, the effect of caffeine on brain pathways, all sorts of really cool stuff that we are still trying to sort out in humans. And not to be outdone, Australian scientists, and I haven't said this in a long time, because Australia said metaphorically and probably literally, hold my beer because I'm going to coke out these bees. <laughs> That's right. 15 years ago, Australian scientists decided to test if humans were the only ones to have all the best ideas by dabbing cocaine on the backs of honeybees and just sit and watch the little gesticulating arms and legs get to work. And the similarities to how humans respond on the drug were the bee beer pong, remarkably similar. Check it. Once dosed, the bees went into intense dance routines like people who just have to talk all the time once on the narcotic. Just like what is observed in humans, the bees were specifically trying to communicate extra vigorously to nestmates and friends. <laughs> but what goes up must come down. And calm down these poor little buzzed buzzers did. In an act of particular cruelty, says anyone who's ever had a hangover of any kind, the bees were fed a diet of cocaine for seven days just to see what withdrawal would look like in the invertebrates. Quote from Dr. Andrew Barron, the researcher who acquired a class one narcotic to give to honeybees, the poor little buggers had to drink cocaine for a week. Then we just stopped it dead and we gave them a learning test. Their performance absolutely crashed. End quote. Turns out 15 years ago was the first time that researchers were able to demonstrate that bees in invertebrate mimicked nearly identically based on the parameters set by Dr. Barron's team to humans. And while I've been making light of this entire situation because the idea of little bees in a high version of an apple bees getting frat drunk on teeny apple bee teenies, the truth of the matter is that addiction is serious and it is important to understand these little neural pathways and how they work. It is unethical to set up people to consume, checks notes, 13 bottles of Chardonnay, then see what happens to our behavior in our brains. It might not be totally ethical to do this to the bees either, but at least they aren't going to crash on the highway and potentially kill people from impaired driving. This is important work, despite the humor I put in here to hopefully hook y'all so you got to this very important message. The bees may allow us to see the aspects of addiction in a very real light, or I hope for the bees in a very dark room, no light, because they are going to feel real rough the next day. We could look at genes that affect addiction, and as the daughter of an addict with a daughter of my own, I'm very interested in what these bees, no matter how high they are flying, literally or figuratively, or if they're under the table, I'm looking forward to find out what the research can tell us. So thank you, my little bee friend, for getting hammered for science. And I'll tip my next glass of mead, a wine made out of honey, up to you in your honor. So thank you for joining me today on Bewilder Beasts. Two left. And one is not written yet. So if you have an idea as how I should end this show, <laughs> I'm all ears. Um, so if you have ideas, hopes, dreams, and an episode that you think would make you feel whole inside, drop a line to bewilderbeastpod at gmail.com. 
Last chance for Patreon. For a dollar a month, at least until March, you can grab all the episodes over there. Download them all for a dollar or more if you just want to show some love. I certainly won't mind. Then cancel. I'm not even mad about it. I just hope everyone can listen to those episodes. The existing Patreon supporters will be consulted as to what to do with the 30 or so episodes that do exist over there. Do we release them all into the main feed when this is over? Do we lock them down because y'all sponsored those episodes and they're yours? I'm going to ping you guys on the Patreon who've been supporting me for the last two and a half years. I'm going to send you guys a note and see what you guys want to do as these were yours. These were created for you. And I want to hear what you think. Um, But in the meantime, if you haven't yet, bop on over to that Patreon feed and do have some stickers and stuff left over I can send if anybody wants them at a higher tier for the last few weeks. I'll make another batch if needed. So I will still honor any of those things that are coming through except for writing your own episode. Um, Plus making the stickers are really fun and I'm always looking for an excuse to do those. And the Patreons who have been with me for the last two and a half years, um, you guys are going to be getting one last gift in the mail Um, when this is all over. It might be six months from now. It might be next year. But watch your mailboxes. I will be sending you guys something uh, once I get it all sorted out. Um, I genuinely appreciate the support from the last couple years. And I know that this show's been going on for four. But when I started the Patreon, you guys jumped in immediately and have been keeping this afloat for years. And I'm still stunned. And I thank you all for it. Um... Yeah, I guess that's that. For for those dedicated 10 who really stepped up, thank you. Love to all, and thanks for everything. And with that, that's that. Let's get on to the resources, shall we? I got today's episode information from vice.com, savannab.com, ZME Science, and then the article from Julie Mustard that she wrote, um, this is a, a paper, Honeybees Show a Preference for the Consumption of Ethanol by Julie Mustard, Romero Okita, Paulina Garza, Alexander Stoka. This was found via onlinelibrary.wiley.com, scholar.google.com on Dr. Julie Mustard, and then Cocaine Bees I found through theguardian.com. Intro and outro music is Tiptoe Out the Back by Dan Leibowitz. Interstitial music by MK2. All other music and sound effects and extras are provided by Pixabay and freesound.org. Big ups to the team at Podfix. The network who believed in this little show and took me on the year I decided to stop making the show. (laughs) They honestly could have stopped that train and said no, that they were unwilling to support it. But they didn't. They stuck with me even with my decision to stop making episodes. That meant a lot to know that they just believed in this and me enough to just support this for what I could give. And that means a lot. So, mwah. I'm Melissa McHugh McGrath with Mud Stuff Media and the Podfits and the Podfix Network. I will be able to say it on the first time by the end of this series. Thank you so much. Stay curious, and I will see you next week. Two left, baby. Two left. Bye bye. You've been listening to a podcast of the Podfix Network. Discover more audible gems like this at podfixnetwork.com. Make sure to catch up-to-the-minute network shenanigans by following at podfix on Twitter, official underscore podfix on Instagram, at podfixnetwork on Facebook. And make sure to subscribe to Podfix Presents wherever you choose to find podcasts. The Podfix Network, artist owned and loved.